Matthew 27, 46. One verse. I will read Psalm 22, 1 while you're at Matthew 27, 46. Psalm 22, 1. Psalm 20, uh, you know, 22, 23, uh, 20, 22, 23, 24, and even 25 are what they call the. Uh, Christological sounds talking about a lot of, of the crucifixion, what went on there. One of them for sure in Psalm 22 1, it says, My God, my God, this is Psalm 22 1, written a thousand BC. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Those words sound familiar to you, don't they, if you know the Bible at all? Jesus on the cross, one of the Seven kisses or sayings of Calvary was uh, taken from Psalm 22.1 in fulfillment of the prophecy. In Matthew 27.46, in about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice. Pretty amazing he had the strength to cry with a loud voice after what he'd been through, after the blood he lost, after the beating he took after having his beard plucked from his face, uh, being mocked and spit upon and hung up stark naked in front of a busy highway as a criminal of the Roman Empire, uh, condemned by his own people, the Jews, which delivered him to the Romans, condemned by the Romans as a criminal, condemned by everybody around him. It's amazing he had power until you know who he was. But he had power, and he said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is to say, or that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Father, help us in the few minutes we have here this morning to be able to delve into the moment of crucifixion the humanity of Jesus Christ, and help us in our humanity as we, we seek to live the spiritual life. And may you, may you, you had me prepare this, and I do it now in faith believing there are people here who need it. In Jesus' name, amen. For years I've heard people ask me, they come into my office, oftentimes extremely grieved and broken of heart, and ask me why. Why, preacher? Tell me the story. 
maybe one of the harder things of being in the ministry is listening. It's not the preaching. It's not studying. Are you kidding? I get to study. I get to spend two and a half full days a week alone with God. And they pay me. It's unbelievable. I just sometimes come out, come out of my house on those days, and I don't even hit the ground from my house to the study. I, I get to study today. I get to be with God today all by myself. My wife said, I wish I could be here with you. I go, it ruin it. Go to work. I couldn't have her home. I couldn't have her. I'd have to move somewhere else. Why so many people fail in Christ is because they don't get alone with God. They don't know Him. Oh, they know of Him and they trust Him as their Savior, but they don't know Him. They haven't walked with Him. But Jesus, He asked why. And people come in and they'll say, Preacher, why? Man, I hear some stories that devastate me. I'm human. I'm not a robot. I hear a story of, 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 of heartbreaking, life-changing depth, and, and I, it sticks with me for weeks and weeks. I get up at 1 and 2 in the morning. Some of you I text at 1, 2, 3 in the morning. You wonder why I'm up. I just figure if I'm up, you ought to be up. Trouble is you turn your phone off, and then it spoils the whole thing. Often people come in in a sense of embarrassment, in a sense of, of apology. Uh, I know, preacher, I know I shouldn't be asking why, but I just feel like I need to ask why. A parent loses a child in death unexpectedly or expectedly, and they look at me and say, why, preacher? Why? A wife loses a husband suddenly in a car accident or in an accident at work or to a sudden, just happened two weeks ago, a man, my wife, had known a long time, just had a physical, checked out perfect, and six weeks later dropped dead suddenly of a broken aorta. And a woman comes into my wife and says, why? Why, we had such plans. We'd worked our whole lives, and we were going to plan to go out west and do this, and everybody has their deal. Why? Why? A happy parent bursts a newborn child, carries it, the woman carries it in her womb nine months to have it born retar severely retarded or handicapped. A parent will ask, why? born again, God-loving parent has a child, children, and God bless you, have children. One of the children that they've invested in and nurtured in, taken to church, and, and you know a parent always, is, a lot of people around you are quick to point their finger at a parent and say, you did this wrong or that wrong. I say hogwash. Brother, if you brought your child to church and showed them the gospel and gave them a Bible, you've done more than most of the people in the world. Whatever happened, individual responsibility. And so, child will go bad. Turn away from God. Go the wild route. Go, go anti-God every way. In fact, children sometimes 
will, will do the opposite of the parent just to hurt the parent. The parent will come in and say, man, I birthed children. I love, why would they do that? Why, preacher, why? Hard-working man, gives a company most of his life, at least the best part of his life, faithful in his job, shows up, does his job. The company, towards the end, when he thinks he's going to get to retire, possibly and have something, the company sells out. New company comes in. The new company wants to uh, get rid of the fat and the highest salaried people. He cuts his job, and he finds himself uh, 55, 60 years old, overqualified, as they say. That's a nice way of saying we don't need you, don't want you, you cost too much. A faithful woman who loves her husband finds out he was unfaithful to her best friend, or with her best friend. And she looks and she says, Why? A loving old couple who lived together and worked together for over 50, 60 years, in this case with the, with the old scores back there, coming up on 70 years, sees one of their mates decline into the, what I call the fog of Alzheimer's. They descend down into the cloud where they know no one, not even their own husband or not even their own children. And the mate that does know what's going on, takes care of them, has to clean them. And have the one who used to do the opposite, they, you can't help but just to say, preacher, why? Hundreds and hundreds. And there's just, a, just hundreds of, of things like this happen in life. Trust me, you live in a world that is a veil of tears. You live in a world full of calamities. You say, no, I haven't had any yet. Enjoy. Out of nowhere, something will come and slam you to the floor. Going out on corkscrew the other night, uh, there was a couple, uh, two people in a, in a little car going into town, and I, I always think about this. They had plans that night. They had probably plans a day or two down the road. If they're like me, they had plans months down the road. We're going to do this, going to do that. And some woman in an SUV texting on her phone went off into their lane, hit them head on, killed both of them. My personal opinion on texting is the death penalty. You kill somebody texting, you ought to be killed. It's as much murder as me taking a gun out and shooting you. In San Carlos, I think just up the road here, a truck, a big old truck, literally ran over a car, went up under it, and killed the guy right in front of, and, 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 and I said the first thing when I heard that, the guy didn't even hit the brakes. He's probably texting, talking, just looking at some picture. His wife sent him some picture or something. He's looking at it. Got his, he's driving this big old massive truck, goes over him. Now, trust me, the family of those people, Today, are wondering, why? Why? Why did that happen? This little girl that was on our bus ministry up the way in towards the park came to church here a number of years and was saved, made a profession of faith. One day she disappears. Haven't seen her since. And you know mom and dad are looking at each other going, why? God has come to my house with some unexpected demons of disappointment and despair. Uh, I was 28 years old, just out of Bob Jones University. High expectations, working with Community Baptist Church, high expectations of God allowing me to be into the ministry. 
one day I looked in the mirror and had a little lump in my throat about right below my uh, whatever that thing is. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Why? I looked in the mirror and I said to my wife, I said, what's that? She said, Ooh, that, don't, that ain't right. I went lobstering because I didn't want any diagnosis to bother my lobster. So I went down lobster a month, came back, it was bigger. Went to the doctor. He looked at me and he said, uh, wait a minute. Got me a doctor's appointment about a half hour later. And anytime a doctor does that, it ain't good. And a whole series of things began to open in my life. Surgery, thyroidectomy, um, spread to four different places in my body, had radiation treatment, rented three rooms. No nurses would do anything to me that weren't past childbearing. That makes you feel real nice. And then doctor's appointments. Doctors, a 28-year-old's not used to going to a doctor. Come on, you're not used to going to a doctor. What is that about? Doctor, 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 full body scan, full body scan, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, test, 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 test. Five years of that. Take a pill every day. I hadn't taken a pill in my life hardly. I never had a headache. They told me that I had to take this pill every day to live. I said, I ain't going to take it. I had to take it. Sometimes you look up and say, why? That was just the beginning of it. At 40 years old, God allowed me to be the senior pastor here at Gospel Baptist. That Almost the same year I became senior pastor, I went into the valley of migraines. Started having a debilitating migraines. But it wasn't long after that I had this thing called polycythemia vera, which you have to give blood and give blood and give blood to stay alive. And then after that, I had gout. Gout so bad that I just begged God to kill me. Then I had puritis, which is an itching past belief. If you don't have never had it, you don't know what it is. And you don't want it. What I'm saying is, I'm trying to do the will of God. I searched my life. Lord, is there anything displeasing to you? Is there anything in my life? Uh, Lord, you show it to me. I'll turn, you know that from 18 years old, I've given you everything. I have nothing else to give. I'd lie to you if I didn't tell you that there were nights I just looked up to heaven and said, Why? 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 Why me? That's the physical problems. Then my, as many of you, the death of my, my best friend, my dad, my confidant, my dad. Then the death, long seven-year decline in death of my mother. Oh, how we prayed. How I wept myself all the way home from her house over and over again. Then, my best friend of my life, my brother Jim, backslid, divorced his wife over 30 years, committed fornication and immorality of the kind that the Gentiles don't even do. I looked at God and said, why? But that wasn't the end of it. Then the fall of other church members and church leaders and friends of mine that I worked with, Deeper than I ever thought it would happen. I never thought it would happen. I had to look at God and say, God, why? What's going on? Why? Jesus, in this statement of Psalm 22, 1, which he repeated in Matthew chapter 27, 46, I believe I see some things there that can help us. 
in that one statement where he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken us? He fulfilled that on the cross in the midst of his darkness, in the midst of the three hours of absolute darkness. People said and conjectured, why three hours of darkness on the cross? Why did God the Father cause his son to be blotted out during that time? Well, some have conjectured, conjectured to keep the peeping wicked eyes of the of the of the men around him and the people around him off the Son of God as he took upon the sin of the world. Others have said it was because of the Father's sadness that he caused it to be dark. Others have said because it was the hour of darkness moment. It was their triumph. It was their moment in history where they thought they had beaten God. Jesus is at the very peak of his agony in Matthew 27, 46, where he says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. But in saying that, he's going to help us this morning. And it was said calculatedly because he was God-man. And he knew what he was doing even in, this, even in the agony. How does it help us? First of all, it helps us because Jesus in his worst moment in his earthly life, he went to God the Father. Where did he go? He went to God the Father. Jesus was all human, and he was all God. Jesus had laid aside his glory with the Father, but he was still deity. As it says in a few places, he was deity. It was God manifest in the flesh. It's exactly the way the Bible says it. So he was, he, was, he was God, but he laid aside the glory that the Mount Transfiguration that Peter, James, and John got to see, but he was still human because he was a, he, in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, was in all points tempted like as we, yet without sin. The process, and if I may say the mystery of the Incarnation, we see him in his humanity cry out, why? Why? But who did he go to? He went to God the Father to be a faithful high priest that understood us. God became man to set aside his glory with the Father to be born here and walk among us so that he could be the faithful high priest that we need so that he could be the faithful intercessor that we need and feel our pain. That he could be the faithful reconciler who loved us and gave himself for us that we so desperately need. That he could be the merciful Savior who felt the sting of the world and our sins that were laid upon him that we so desperately need. Jesus. In the moment of this extreme grief, cried out to God the Father. That gives us a good example. That's exactly what we ought to do in the moment of, don't, don't call the preacher. God forbid you go to Facebook. Don't go to your little, your little Twitter buddies or your, son, you're going to keep coughing? Put one of them. I can't throw any further than that, so if you're coughing, somebody else got to help them. Okay. 
have cough drops back there. We do. We got cough drops back there. But in, don't go to your, let me say, well, I got a list here. I want to make sure I get them all. Don't go to your texting buddies. Don't go to your texting buddies. Don't go to, don't even go to your family. They can't help you. Truthfully, they can't help you. They're, they're like you are. Go to God. Go to God. It's amazing to me when people come to me oftentimes in their moment of desperation. That's fine to come to the preacher, but don't go to the preacher before you go to God. Don't you go to the preacher before you go to God and spend some time with him. He's where you're going to get the help. That's where Jesus went. Jesus cried out, secondly, not just to God the Father, but to my God, a personal God. God is personal with us. We often, we Baptists often say, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? We like to work, put that word in there, personal Savior. What we're trying to convey is you don't accept God, Jesus Christ, as a religion. You don't accept God, Jesus Christ, as an institution. You don't accept God, Jesus Christ, as a creed of which you learn. You accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I like Psalm 142, 4 and 5. It says, I looked at my right hand and beheld there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me, and no man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Brother, that's where it's at. Nobody's going to help you like God can help you. What Jesus is teaching me is that when, when he was in his most extreme agony, he went, the only place you're ever really going to get the help you need, he went to God the Father. And God the Father was personal to him. As God the Father and Jesus Christ ought to be personal to you and to me. I feel sorry for people that come to church because they feel they're doing God a favor. I feel sorry for people today that are going to take communion because they feel like, they're trying to do some sort of a, if I do this many good works, maybe I'll he'll weigh the, brother, if Jesus Christ had not shed his blood and paid for your sin, you're not getting into heaven. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. There's no other way. If he let one sinner into heaven, just one sinner into heaven without being sanctified, propitiated, atoned for by the blood of Jesus Christ, it would pollute the whole thing. Eventually, just like one little Zika virus will get in your system or malaria, and it will destroy eventually the whole body. So sin will infect and destroy God's whole universe. Look what it's done to what you see around you. Look what it's done to the earth. Look what it's done. Look what's going on. What's all that from? Sin. And if sin would be left alone by God, it would, you know, them apocalyptic movies that they make. You know, some men, when they make movies of the last days, it's always Terminator. It's always machines against men. Or it's always like a meteorite comes down through the sky and takes out everybody. Or, or a disease, some pandemic comes through and wipes everybody out and, and makes them like, like eat, eat each other. Always got to have something like that. 
Why do men have such a negative idea of the end of the world? I'll tell you why. They look around and say, this thing, this thing if something doesn't stop this thing, we're going to all kill each other. That's right. When you get beside yourself with grief, you have a God that personally loves you and cares for your soul. He is my God, and I hope you can say he is my God. That's why. If you don't know the song, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear the Son of God discloses and He walks with me and He talks with me and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other, none other has ever known. The number one requested song at funerals. What's it say? Say you got a one to one relationship. None other? You say, well, well, yeah, but when it comes to walking with God, it's really just a one-to-one. I've trusted Christ as my Savior, and I walk with Him and talk to Him, but, I, but my wife's got to do the same thing. I can't do it for her. My son's got to do the same thing. I can't do it for her. One of the prayers I pray for Troy is that Jesus would let him know who he is and walk. That's the best prayer you can pray for your child. Now, my daughter-in-law, I don't pray. I don't, I don't pray for her. I do. He's my God. He's your God. I like this song by the Hawaiians, and if you want to Google it, you'll be happy you did. My God and I walk, go in the field together. We walk and talk as good friends should and do. We clasp our hands. Our voices ring with laughter. My God and I walk through the meadows hue. We clasp our hands. Our voices ring with laughter. My God and I walk through the meadows hue. What a beautiful song it expresses the one personal, one-to-one relationship with God. When Jesus was in his moment of crisis, he turned to the Father, because that's the only place you can turn. He turned to the Father who was personal with him and intimate with him. Thirdly, even though you do not get an answer when you ask why, keep going. Because God, most of the time, will not answer you. Just like in Jesus' case where he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? There was no voice from heaven. Jesus knew why. And you know why. You know why. If you've read the Bible, if you've been in the Word of God, Jesus was the living Word. Of course he knew the answer to that question. There was no question he didn't have an answer for. He knew everything. He was the Word, the living Word the inspiration of the written word. Jesus knew, but he just kept going, didn't he? 
He knew why, or you know why. Romans 8, 28, one of the most quoted verses of the whole Bible, maybe beside John 3, 16. But once a person gets born from above, you go to Romans 8, 28. Uh, don't you really? When we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to the call according to his purpose. You know why? We you know when, you're, when your world falls in, ultimately God's going to use even the evil to praise him. And only God could do that. Only God could take the workings of Satan and the workings of sin to ultimately in the end be to his glory and praise and honor to prove that he is and there is none other and he's holy. He's going to use it. You know God. if God showed you the big picture somehow, everything would make sense. You know in your soul as a born-again believer, God is good, just like our brother said. God's good all the time. That sin and sins of this world produce the trouble that's around you, the trouble that's in you, the heartache and the pain, whether it be yours or mine. Uh, okay, God did, chose not to tell me. Okay, I'm just going to trust in him anyway, even though just believing that maybe someday He'll tell me, but I got a feeling by the time I go to someday, I, I won't want to know. And I don't need to know, amen? I, I, I think maybe in the moment of the crisis, you want to know why, but by the time you get to the other side, you won't care why. The Bible says the former things will not come into mind or be remembered. Okay, your husband takes off. Your wife takes off, unfaithful. God will use that to te teach you some deep spiritual lessons that will last for all eternity, eternity as you throw yourself upon him. He, you can't name me a situation in your life that's horrible that God, if you'll not turn to him, God can't use for the, his glory and his honor. You can't name something bad. I don't know. Now, you're going to ask me why. I don't know why. I can't tell a guy who loses his... Uh, uh, a child in by an auto accident or by some horrible... I can't go to them and say, oh, I got the reason. I can only take you to the Bible. I can only tell you that Jesus in his moment of crisis said, my God, my God. He went to him. He was personal. And he did not have to have an answer. But he did ask the question, didn't he? And I don't think there's any sin in asking the question. I always figure if the Savior can be on the cross and say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In my trouble, I can look my head to he heaven and say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It feels like you've forsaken me. Okay, Hillary gets elected. Panic! Buy guns and move to Montana. You guys were a little too serious. When everything falls in, go to God. Go to your personal God, the God that is, that you walk with and you talk with and you fellowship with and you walk, you laugh with. I've laughed with God many times. You say, God laughed, he does. He made humor. 
Sometimes I feel that God is so, the reality of God comes and goes. Sometimes he feels so close. Actually, he's in me. But God's chosen not to manifest himself physically to you because if he did, it'd no longer be a walk by faith, it'd be a walk by sight. And if it was a walk by sight, it would be a downgrade. It would be a downgraded walk. Hard for us to believe that, but that's true. Uh, his disciples, he said, more blessed are they that believe on me. But basically what he's telling us is his disciples were less blessed than you who believe by faith without sight. That's what he's saying. Oh, Thomas, you know, you're reasonable, saying, you know, I want to put my hands in the, in his, I want to thrust my hand in his side and put my hands in the nail prints before I'm going to believe. And he said, okay, Thomas, I'm here for you. Do it. Of course, Thomas, when he got there, fell down. He said, my, my Lord and my God. But that's when he said, it'll be more blessed for those. And he was thinking of us. Down the road some 2,000 years who would believe without the opportunity with touching Jesus and putting your hands in the nail prints of his hand or thrusting in his side. But you believe by faith. And the Holy Spirit came in and rewarded that faith through, through your baptism in his body. And now you know he's there. But it's by faith. I think when you have something bad happen, you ought to be able to verbalize your frustration without guilt. I think you ought to be able to cry out for help without guilt. I think you should weep before God, before God without help, without, without guilt. You ought to be able to wail in the pain without guilt. And you ought to be able to cry like Jesus, my God, my God, why? But you know it was not long till Jesus was sitting on the right hand of the Father. It was not long till he had the honor and the glory and the power and the strength of all of heaven and that his name was above every name. It was not long before this cry was just history. And that's the way it's going to be with you and me. These things, somebody this week did this, I don't know who it was. These things too shall pass. Amen. These things too shall pass. You say it's too dark. I can't go on, preacher. Man, I've felt that way sometimes. Whew. I, I tell you, there's, there's, there's things I mentioned to you. There were times in those, tra those trials that I just didn't feel I could put one foot in front of the other, that it was just going to be more than I could bear. But by trusting in God and by singing in the garden and by singing my God and I and by going to God and worshiping Him in spirit and in truth, He came and He allowed me to make it through the next day and 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 I'm here and those things are in the past. These things too shall pass. Don't take it into your own hands. Be like Job. Though He slay me, Yet will I trust in him. Don't you commit suicide. Don't you go, don't you get on a Harley Davidson and crash it into a wall. It's a bad name for Harley and it's the wrong way to do it. A Honda? One less Honda make the world better anyway. But don't you take it in your hands. 
He said, Preacher, I don't think I can go. It'll make any difference what you think. Cry out, my God, my God. Go to him. He'll come. The day will pass. The next day will be a little better. The next day will be a little better. The next day will be a little better. I've had widows tell me, now I'll not have this. But I've had widows tell me, I don't think I can live without my husband. My wife will not say that. I have, I have made sure of that. Which, whether she knows it or not, is a blessing to her. I had a woman come to me, her husband died. I remember he's had a flat top, gray hair, flat top, and he limped like this. I remember the guy. I asked him, I said, what do you limp like that? He said, World War II, you got a piece of shrapnel on my hip. Back then, they didn't even replace your hip. They just left it, left it in there. Bunch of sissies. Some old World War II people were tough. He walked his whole life with that pain in his hip. He died. His woman, I went to see her at the house. I've told this before. I want to see this old woman. She was sitting there just devastated beyond. I mean, she was devastated beyond any widow that I'd ever been around. I've gone somewhere those houses. They ain't upset. <laughs> but this old widow, I tell you one thing. She says, Bill, I've never written a check. I don't know how to do it. I never bought groceries. He always did. I didn't do the laundry. He did it all. I have never had a driver's license. He always drove me everywhere I needed to go. I felt a little inadequate as a husband. I've never been around a guy that treated his woman that good. I probably could use a little time with him. But I'm going to tell you, she was, she, well, how am I going to live? I don't know how, to, I don't even, I can't even get out of the house. I said, you can do it. Go to God, one day at a time, one step at a time. You couldn't tell her the whole story because she couldn't take it that day. You couldn't tell her she was going to have to learn how to do the check. She was going to have to do her own learning. She was going to have to learn how to drive. She was going to have to get a driver's license. She was going to have to do her own shopping because that was her future. But you couldn't blame it on her all at one time. It was just too much. And you just, she was just crying out, God, help me. He came and helped her. He'll help you. Nothing bad enough, nothing dark enough can devastate you that God cannot help you. Turn to him. Don't turn to drugs. Don't turn to alcohol. Don't turn to pornography. Don't turn to the pleasures of this world. Don't turn to a selfishness. Turn to God, the only one that can help you and will help you and that loves you. Father, help us today. Help us today to see it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239 947 one, two, eight, five. God bless.